0: Well good morning again, church. It's so good to have you and worship with us this morning. Why don't you just look to the person around you and say, it's gonna be a good morning? Just go ahead, tell them. It's gonna be a good morning. So hey, one of our core values here at Warehouse Church is we love to celebrate stories. We love to celebrate God's big story and the little stories that he's doing the lives of the people around us. And so last Sunday night, we had our uh, door holder appreciation dinner. Our door holders are our, our ministry teams that open the doors for other people to meet Jesus. And, uh, and we started a new tradition uh, last Sunday night where we, um, we take one person that has stood out, one door holder that has stood out over the past um, year as uh, above and beyond all, uh, uh, have, has gone above and beyond. And we, we awarded them this new award. It's called the Big Old Pink Flamingo Award. And I know it's very, very biblical, the big old Pink Flamingo Award. And uh, and so, you know, Pink Flamingos, they stand out in the crowd. And uh, and so we wanted to award a door holder uh, that stands out in the crowd, uh, that stands above the rest, that there's, there's someone that stands out as they serve in ministry. And I wanted you to know who we awarded this first big old Pink Flamingo Award to and it was to brian and diane acres so can we just give brian and diane acres a huge hand they serve so much in our church they do so much and we felt like they went above and beyond and they are our pink flamingo our very first recipients of the big old pink flamingo award so if you see brian or diane after church just give them a big old hug high five something say thank you for all that you do to serve at warehouse church now today we are beginning a brand new series on prayer and over the next several weeks, we are going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer as uh, our, foundational, uh, our foundation for learning how to pray. And and I just believe that prayer is one of those things in the Christian life that uh, we need to do really well. It's something that we need to practice. It's something that needs to be a part of our everyday life. And so when thinking about prayer, I heard a story of a dad who took his little boy with him to town one day to run some errands. and, And at lunchtime, they got hungry. And so they went to one of the local diners in town to grab some lunch. And it was one of those diners that had a countertop and it had stools. And so the dad went and grabbed a stool and sat on it. And then he lifted up his little boy onto the stool next to him. And they ordered their food and and the waiter eventually brought their food, and then the dad said, "'Hey, son, uh, we're just going to have a silent prayer today.'" And so the dad got through praying first, and he uh, waited for his little boy to finish his prayer. And, and, but just, uh, he just sat there, though, with his head bowed for this unusually long time. And when they finally looked up, his father asked him, he said, "'Son, what in the world were you praying about all that time?' And the little boy with the innocence and the honesty of a child, he looked at his dad and he said, how do I know it was a silent prayer? And so, you know, as we think about prayer, uh, the, I think the best place that we can go to learn about prayer is God's Word. And so I would just invite you this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles or if you have that YouVersion Bible app, just go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. And, uh, and we're going to look at our theme verse together today in just a moment. And then we're going to bounce back to Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to go ahead and find that too. But we're going to begin in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And and here's what Jesus, Jesus is having a conversation. And he says, one it says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus, we see that he's in the middle of praying. He's just finished praying. He's spent some time with the, the Father in prayer. And when he finishes, One of the disciples, and we don't know which one, it doesn't tell us, Luke doesn't tell us which disciple, but one of the disciples asked Jesus to teach him to pray like him. And you get the sense that the disciple had been watching Jesus for some time, that maybe he was spying on Jesus, like hiding behind the bushes when Jesus would go to pray, or maybe he was leaning in and listening and eavesdropping on what Jesus was saying and praying about. And and, and when you think about, um, you think about it, he, he just... This prayer that Jesus prayed, it caused him to want to understand more about prayer. He wanted to pray uh, just like Jesus. And so he goes and he asks Jesus, Lord, would you teach us to pray just like you? And when you think about all the times when maybe you've asked someone to teach you something, uh, can you ever think of a time when you asked someone to teach you something that you really weren't interested in knowing? No, we always, when we go to someone and ask someone for uh, advice or we want to learn something from someone, we want to know about it. Like we want to know they've done something so well or exceptionally well, they do it really well. And so we ask them, hey, would you teach me how to do that? And I remember when I was rebuilding my uh, uh, 1968 Ford F-250, we called it Stinky Pete. And we called it Stinky P because when I bought this truck, it was just a beat-up white farm truck, and it smelled. It reeked of gas, and it reeked of all things old that you would find in a pickup truck that had been sitting in a field. And and so I had never uh, rebuilt anything. And so I was constantly asking people that I trusted and people that impressed me how to do things. Like I had never done body work before. I had never uh, done engine work before except for changing my oil in my car and maybe changing a tire or two. And so I would ask my friends who knew more than I did to teach me, to help me so that I could rebuild Stinky Pete. And that's exactly what's happening here in the scripture. There was something about the way that Jesus was praying. There's something about the way that he prayed. It was so powerful and meaningful and impressive that it made an impression on this disciple and it caused this disciple to say, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray like that? Like, like there's just something about the way that you pray and, and we want to learn from you. Would you teach us how to do that? Now, you would think that when it's something as big as prayer, because prayer is such a foundational thing to the Christian life, you would think that Jesus might have responded like, well, okay, uh, I'd be happy to, and that's going to take a while, so why don't we just take uh, a meet here on Wednesday nights for the next nine months, and I'll teach you about prayer. Or you would think that Jesus might say, you know what, there's about 4,000 commentaries and books on prayer, and so why don't you get started by just reading these few but Jesus doesn't do any of that. Like Jesus doesn't say, "Yeah, it's going to take some time. Let's have a class. Jesus doesn't say, "Hey, I want you to read this book or that book. He simply says, "When you pray, say this." And then he goes into what we know as today as the Lord's prayer. He says, "You want to know how to pray? That's easy. Just pray like this." And because this is how Jesus teaches us to pray, I thought maybe we should do that together this morning, that maybe we should just do what he said and pray the Lord's Prayer together. So I just wanna invite you, it's gonna be on the screen, and I wanna invite you even at home, if you're watching online, to just pray out loud with me. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, when I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer and I read it, and I read it a few times this week to refresh my memory, and I thought about, did you know that the Lord's Prayer, it reflects the greatest commandment that we find in the Bible? That when Jesus was pressured and asked the question, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? He, he broke it down, his answer, into two things. It was basically about all about loving God and loving people. He said, oh, that's easy. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. And if you look closely at the Lord's prayer, it reflects this great command that Jesus gave us. You see, the first half of the Lord's Prayer, it's all about loving God. It's all about we love him and we want his name to be holy and we want his kingdom to come and we want his will to be done. It's all about loving God. And then the second half of the Lord's Prayer, well, that's all about us. That we would love others and that we pray that we would have what we need and that we would be be forgiving people and that we would avoid temptation. And so the Lord's Prayer really is all about loving God and loving people. That's its purpose. That's the purpose of prayer. And I want you to see that today. I want you to see that the Lord's Prayer in its simplest form reflects Jesus' greatest commandment, which is to love God and to love others. That's really what prayer is all about, loving God and loving others, But let's be honest. Like, even if we knew the purpose of prayer, what the purpose of prayer is all about, and that we knew that it's all about loving God and loving others, a lot of us, when we talk about prayer, well, we've got some hangups, right? Like, you and I, if we're really real, and that's one of our core values here is being real, that if we're really real, that we've got some issues with prayer, that we've got some questions about prayer. And, and maybe you came in here today, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about prayer and all, but I have to be honest with you, like, because that's what we are. We're going to be honest about who we are. i got to be honest with you that I've prayed. i prayed, and it just didn't work for me. Like, prayer didn't work. Like, I prayed that my marriage would be saved, and it wasn't saved. Or I prayed uh, that that person that I cared about would get better, and they didn't get better. Or I've prayed to get a certain job, and, and I didn't get it. Prayer, well, it just hasn't worked for me or maybe maybe you're here today and you thought that you thought this you thought every time I pray like pastor Rick every time I pray I just don't feel anything like I feel like my prayers hit the ceiling and fall back on me and so I just don't get it or maybe maybe you you have more philosophical questions about prayer like maybe you found yourself asking you know what like if God knows all of our needs then why do I have to ask for it like why doesn't he just give us what we need Or maybe, maybe the truth is that you've been disappointed by prayer. Like maybe you find yourself asking this question. Is the God of the Bible, the one true God, is he really good? Like I've prayed and I just don't feel like he's listening. Is God really, can I really trust God? And I'll be honest with you that I've wrestled with some of those very same things. And while I can't answer every question that you might have about prayer, I want us to look to Jesus today. And I want us to look in scripture at Jesus and see what he has to say about the God that you and I pray to. And why? Why do we want to look at the uh, the characteristics of God? Well, I think because of this, I think the purpose of prayer is revealed in the character of the one that we're praying to. In other words, I would say the more we understand who God is, the more we understand about what prayer is. The more you and I understand the character of God, the more we understand about what prayer is all about. And the truth is, is if we don't know the character of God, I would argue with you that your prayers are probably ineffective. That if you don't know who God is and the character and the qualities of God, that your prayers probably are Just hitting the ceiling and falling back at you. So today when it comes to prayer, I want us to spend today answering the question, what's the purpose of prayer? By seeing what Jesus has to say about who God is. Because the God in whom we pray to tells us a lot about what our prayer life should look like. And so right after the Lord's Prayer, so Jesus, uh, this disciple's eavesdropping, leaning in, spying on Jesus in his prayer life, is really intrigued by it. He asks Jesus, teach me to pray. And Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, says, just pray this. And then after, immediately after Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, he tells a story. And it's a story that very much is related to prayer, beginning in verse 5 of Luke 11. And so here's what he says. Read along with me. It's on the screen or in your Bibles or Bible app. It says, then Jesus said to them, he says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this passage, is no accident. It's not an accident that Jesus goes right out of teaching them the Lord's prayer right into this story. And he wants the disciples to understand and he wants you and I to understand who God is, the character of God as it relates to prayer. And so he tells them this story. He just says, He just said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he goes right into the story. He says, Hey, by the way, suppose there's this man and a friend unexpectedly comes to stay with him and the man has nothing to offer his guest. And so he goes to his friend's house at midnight. Like there wasn't a Walmart that was open 24 hours, he couldn't just drive there and get. Food for his friend. So what does he do? He goes to his neighbor's house at midnight, and he knocks on the door. And you got to understand the house. The house is not a one-bedroom house. It's a one-room house. It's a small house, and and uh, and the family is probably all tucked together in bed in the center of that one room. And the man is beating on the door at midnight. And the owner of the house is like, "I'm sorry, but we have already gone to bed. My children, they're asleep." And the door is already locked. He's like, I'm not getting up. But because the man continues to knock and continues to be bold, the owner of the house finally opens the door and gives the man everything that he needs. So Jesus is telling his disciples, he's like, listen, he's like, I want you to ask and seek and knock. He's like, and he says this really important thing at the end, he says, and how much more will the father give than this man gave his friend? And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, so Jesus is telling us to pester God in our prayer lives until we get what we want. Is that what Jesus is telling us? Is that what this story is about? No, that's not what this story is about. I think what Jesus is doing is he's telling us about God. He's telling us that how much Better is the God, the Father, than a man who doesn't want to get up at midnight to help his begging friend, but he does anyway. He's like, God is so much better than that man. You see, it reminds us that first that God doesn't even sleep. Like, you can come to God at any time. He's always awake. The light's always on. God can always uh, be there with us. And second, he's like, he's not limited in his resources So he will give you whatever you need. And and what we clearly see from this passage is that Jesus is teaching us this character of God. And the character is this, that God is good. And this is so simple. But if we don't get this, like if we don't get this, that we are actually praying to a good God, I would suggest to you that our prayer life is going to always be ineffective. So when we look at the character of God, the first thing that Jesus wants us to see is that God is so good, that our God is good, and, and he has everything that we need, and he's not going to withhold anything from us, and he's never bothered when we come to him in the middle of the night that we can come to him at any time because he is so good. God's never annoyed at us. Like, I don't know about you, but there are nights where I wake up in the middle of the night and and I'm overwhelmed with stress or anxiety or I'm worried about someone. And I begin praying and I begin asking God uh, on behalf of this person or I begin to pray about my situation or my circumstances. And God has never come to me and say, you know what, Rick, it is 2.30 in the morning. I don't have time for you. He's like, hey, I'm sleeping. I can't get up right now. God doesn't do that. He's always open and always available because he's so good. So we need to understand in our prayer life this character that our God is good. And then Jesus gives us an even stronger illustration. When he says, he talks about the parents, he says, you guys who are, who are sinful. He's like, you guys who are sinful, he calls them evil. He says, even you know how to give good gifts to your children. You would never give your child a stone when they ask for bread. You would never give your child a snake when they ask for fish. And then he says, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? Do you know how good God is? Have you experienced the goodness of God? Because Jesus is like saying to the disciples, he's like, listen, I know you wanna know how to pray, but you gotta understand who God is, who who the God that you're praying to is, and he is good. So he goes out of his way to show us that God is good, but he also shows us that God is not only good, he's responsive. That Jesus couldn't be any clearer about how responsive God the Father is to those who ask and seek and knock. For those who have said, I don't know if God cares about me, like if that's you, if you're like, I'm not sure. I don't know if God cares about me. I don't really know if God cares about my marriage or I don't know if he cares about my job. I, I just, I'm not sure that God really cares about my needs. Jesus is clearly saying in this passage that he does. And for those of you who are wondering, does my prayer even matter? Like, does it even matter that I pray? Do do I even go to God and ask him for things? Jesus would say to you, absolutely. You should go to God in prayer. And not only can you, but you should. You should ask and you should seek and you should knock because God is responsive and he wants to answer your prayers. Now, again, this is a little bit of a sticking point because there are some of us in this room that are saying, you know what, I've prayed, I've prayed for days on in and nights on out. I've prayed and God didn't give me what I asked for. He didn't give me what I asked for. And it says, though, in scriptures that he will give, uh, that whoever asks will receive. And, but I did and God never answered my prayer. And I love that the Bible helps us to understand this because James, the half-brother of Jesus, and his letter, he talks about this a little bit. And he says this, he says, you know, sometimes we don't get what we're asking for because we don't have faith like we're asking but we're asking half-heartedly like we're not real sure we don't really believe that God is good and he's listening and he's going to respond to our prayer and James says God won't answer your prayer if you come to him doubting or double-minded that our heart is divided between believing and not believing so James says sometimes you're right God doesn't answer your prayer because you just don't really believe that God will answer your prayer and he goes on and he also says in his letter, he says, sometimes, sometimes you don't get what you ask for because you're asking with impure motives. Like you're, you're not, uh, your motives aren't to love God or to love others or even to love yourself. Like your motives for what you're asking for aren't pure. And so sometimes God doesn't answer your prayers because your motives are in the wrong place. But then, but then there are those times, Right? There are those times when you and I, when we've prayed, and we've prayed persistently, and we've asked according to God's will, and and we asked with the right motives, and we still didn't get what we prayed for. And I wish, I really do, I wish I had the answer to those moments, but all I can do is point you to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying right before he went to the cross, and he prayed these words. He said, Father, he said, will you take this cup from me? Oh, please, would you take this cup from me? Jesus was praying, Lord, would you take the cross from me? Like, I don't, don't make me go to the cross. I don't want to go to the cross. So he says, take this from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment, as you read, you see that no one prayed more passionately than Jesus. Like Jesus was praying to the Father. He's praying uh, so hard that he's sweating blood. Like, have you ever prayed that hard before? Jesus is praying and he's asking the Father and He's praying persistently, like he prayed three times to the Lord, saying, Please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, don't make me take this cup. Take it from me. And the and, and God didn't answer his prayer in the way that probably Jesus had hoped, and the way that we would hope. And and maybe, if you will, this is an unanswered prayer. Like, So I can't solve it all. I can't solve why God answers some prayers and not others, but I can point you to Jesus. And I can remind you, as much as I have to remind myself, to eagerly pray for the right things. And even when we don't understand how God answers our prayers, let's believe. Let's believe God and let's believe in his goodness, that he is good, and he is responsive, and he knows what's best for us. Now, we also find the Lord's Prayer not just in Luke, but like I said, we find it in Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to flip back uh, a couple books to Matthew chapter 6. And, and beginning in verse 5, we see this passage that comes right before Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount about the Lord's Prayer and he tells this, uh, these commands. He says these strange things. He says in verse 5 of Matthew 6, he says, and when you pray, did he say if you pray? No. He said, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, I want you to go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this is a little weird and a little strange because we don't do this today. Like, you don't go on the street corners and you don't start praying out loud. Like, many of you are like, I don't even want to pray out loud in my, at, at dinner time, right? Like, you, you, we don't pray out loud. And if we do walk by someone who's praying out loud on the street corner, we don't think to ourselves, oh, wow, like, look at that holy person. No, we think, oh, wow, that person needs medicated, right? Like, that's what we're thinking. And so out of context, this passage is really strange. But in the day of Jesus, the people that would be hearing him would have understand what Jesus was talking about, that he was talking about these three times of the day where Jews would come and pray. And they would memorize and they would recite these prayers uh, and and, and they would say them at night right before they would go to bed. And then they would say them again in the morning when they would wake up. And then they would say them again in the afternoon at about three o'clock to refocus uh, their attention onto who God was. And the concept was simply this, that you would stop whatever you were doing at those three times and you would pray whatever prayer you memorized to refocus yourself on the Lord. And the problem, though, was that these particular hypocrites, that they would actually spend time planning out their day and planning out where they were going to be at three o'clock in the afternoon so that they would be in the most visible places. And so they would think about, where am I going to be at 3 o'clock? Where can I be that is most visible? So they would just happen to be in front of the synagogue at 3 o'clock so that they could be seen by all the church folk. And look at me. Look at what I did. I'm praying. Or they would be, uh, just happen to be on the busiest street corner of the town, and they would be seen by others, and everyone could applaud them. And, oh, look at them. They're so holy. And look at their prayer life. And Jesus responds. He says, don't pray like that. He's like not because they weren't praying to the right god or not because they weren't praying the right prayers but because they were praying with the wrong motives. Like the whole reason they were praying was so that other people would applaud them. They wanted to be seen by others. And Jesus is like don't miss the point prayer is not about being seen. Prayer is not about the words, the fancy words that you use. Instead, look at what verse 6 says and I want you I want to read it in the ESV. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is like, listen, I don't want you to go to the street corners. I want you to go into a quiet place. I want you to go into a closet or in your room. And I want you to pray to your Father who not only sees you in secret, but it says that your Father who is in the secret with you. And there are certain things, I want you to hear this. There are certain things that we will only know about the Father in our prayer life. That in those secret moments when we are connecting with God in prayer, that God has things that He wants to reveal to us that will only be made known to us in those moments. He has something to share with us in the secret. So Jesus reminds us that God is not only good and He's not only responsive, but that God is relational. Like God wants us to be in this deep relationship with him. He wants us to share our secrets with him and he wants him to see, share his secrets with us. So don't worry about what others think about you. Don't, don't worry about your, uh, what others think about how you pray because prayer is a relationship between you and the Father. I had a volunteer in my youth ministry. Her name was Carolyn, and Carolyn would pray for anybody, anywhere, anytime, and, and I love this about her, but sometimes Carolyn would just break out in prayer, and it freaked me out, and, and, but I loved having her with me because her faith, her faith showed me that she didn't care what others thought about her. She just had this sweet way of talking to God, and I loved when she would come up to me and say, hey, Rick, would you pray with me? And we would pray together because Carolyn just had this deep connection with the Father. She understood this idea that that God is relational. And not only is God relational, but do you notice that Jesus says, he says, pray to who? He says, pray to your Father. He says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And the Lord's prayer even begins with what? Our Father who art in heaven And so don't buy into the lie that God is some far away, distant, impersonal God, uh, but that's not not intimately involved in your life. Jesus tells us, he tells us that God is good. He tells us he's responsive and he's relational, but he also tells us that God is personal. Like he knows you. God knows your struggles. He knows uh, your joys. He knows where your circumstances are. He knows everything about you. And so Jesus called out the hypocrites, but then in verse 7 of the same chapter, he calls out another group of people. He calls out the Gentiles because they were praying to pagan gods, and he says this in verse 7. He says, now when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans because that's what these, uh, the, the, the Gentiles were doing. Is They just keep praying and praying and praying over and over and over. Father God this, Father God that, Father God this, Father God. And they just pray and pray and pray and pray, and they were babbling He says, don't be like that. Don't pray like them that keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so as the Gentiles are praying to these pagan gods, of which many of them had no names, and many of them, they didn't even know what these gods did. Like they had no idea. They just knew this. They knew that the gods were moody and unpredictable. And so they would come to the gods and they would ask for whatever it was that they needed, but they didn't know how the gods were gonna respond. It's like they were hoping that that day that when they began to pray, that the gods woke up on the right side of the bed and, and that they weren't in a bad mood. And, and so they had this belief that if you carried on long enough, if you prayed long enough, that you would exhaust these gods and they'd finally say, fine, fine, you can have whatever you want. And, and so that's how they prayed. They just kept babbling on. And Jesus says, don't pray like that. He's like, God is different from the pagan gods. He is the one true God. And he even says, he already knows what you need before you even ask. And I know, again, what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if God already knows what I need, then why do I need to pray? Like, what's the point? But think about it for a minute. What would the alternative be? Do you want to pray to a God who knows your needs and knows you or a God that doesn't know your needs and doesn't know you because that's what the pagan gods were they were gods that had no idea who you were they weren't personal like, if you came to those gods, you'd have to be like, hey, it's Rick again. Uh, I live at 815 Kentucky Route 1107 Van Leer. You know, I, you probably don't remember. I talked to you last week. Let me tell you again what's going on in my life. I've only been sharing it with you for the past month, but let me just tell you again. I lost my job a month ago. I've been praying for this other job. I really need a job, and I'm just going to keep praying until you give me a job. And I'm not going to stop praying today because I don't know if you're in a good mood or a bad mood. So I'm just going to keep going. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Help me, help me, help me. Save me, save me, save me. And that would be what it would be like to pray to a pagan god. You're just praying to a God that is not personal, that doesn't know you. And Jesus is like, don't pray like that. He's like, and I think I agree. I want to pray to a God that knows me, right? Like, I want to pray to a God that knows my circumstances, that knows who I am, that already knows where I live. Like, he's intuitive. He knows everything about me, and and he wants to hear about me. That's the kind of God that I want to pray to, not a God that knows nothing about me. You see, God's not like these pagan gods. He gets you. He knows you. He knows what you need even better than you know what you need. And so lastly, Jesus describes the character of God like this. He says, God is all-knowing and all-powerful. Not only does God know what you need, but he is powerful enough to provide what you need. And this is the amazing picture of, the, of God's character that Jesus gives us. And, and you know what the best part to me about all this is? is that we find out about the character of God. We don't find out about the character of God through the disciples. It's not the disciples telling us about the character of God. It's not even Paul. Like Paul was like this holy guy that wrote a lot of the books of the Bible, uh, the New Testament. And it's not even Paul telling us. It's Jesus himself. Jesus himself is saying, listen, this is who God is. God the Father, he is good. And not only is he good, but he's responsive and he's personal and he's relational. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. And I think that's just the best part of this whole story is Jesus himself is telling us about the one who we are praying to. And as I think of my prayer life uh, this week, I think I was thinking about what's made the biggest impact in my prayer life. And I thought about I kept going back to Pastor Juan and, and Pastor Juan and his family uh, from Cuba and their faithfulness to prayer has greatly impacted my life because many years ago, my church that I was a part of, they partnered with this church in Cuba, and I had the opportunity to go to Cuba and to meet Pastor Juan and his family and people from his church, and Pastor Juan and his wife and their entire church, they trust God and his provision, and I want you to think about this because because they are living in a communist country in Cuba and their every move is being watched. They're rationed food. They have very little food and they completely trust God with everything in their life. And and, and I would get emails from Pastor Juan like every other day. In the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, Pastor Juan is emailing me again. Like I'd have to Google translate because it would come up in Spanish and I had to figure out what he was trying to say. But then I began to notice that Pastor Juan every other day He would tell me how he and his family got up in the morning and how they were praying for me and my family. And he didn't just say, hey, I'm praying for you and your family. He's like, I'm praying for Jennifer and I'm praying for this and I'm praying for you and I'm praying for this thing about you. And I'm praying for Emma and I'm praying for he would pray specifically for us. This family that is living in Cuba, and they're being persecuted for their faith, and they have very little food. They didn't even have a refrigerator. He's asking for a bike and a refrigerator to, uh, to make things easier on him. And all he can do is say how much he was praying for me. He's like, God, Rick, you won't believe what God is doing in my little community. He goes, and I'm praying that the same thing happens to you In your community. I'm praying that God becomes so real uh, in your community of faith. And they were praying. They had barely any food. Their church was that makeshift barn behind the picture. They didn't even, like I said, they didn't have a refrigerator. And he's telling me how he's taking time on his knees before the Lord to pray for me and my family. Here's a couple that takes Jesus at his word. You see, they know, Pastor Juan knows that God is good. He knew that God responds to prayer. He knows that God is personal and that he's relational. And more than anything, Pastor Juan and his family, his wife, Kathy, they know, they know that they know that God knows what they need, and that he was powerful enough to provide. Pastor Juan believed in the power of prayer, and it deeply impacted my prayer life because here I am in America, I'm, I'm wealthy. I got a refrigerator, I got a washer and dryer, I have air conditioning, they had none of that. And his prayer life would run circles around my prayer life and so I think today if I'm gonna be real with you I think it would do us no good if we got together today and we hear about what Jesus has to say about prayer and we don't actually go and pray it would do us no good it would be a waste of time for us to say you know what that was a great message maybe it wasn't and then not do anything about it. So church, as we dive into the Lord's prayer starting next week, I just wanna ask you, will you commit? Will you commit to exploring prayer with me over the next few weeks? Maybe that means that you start today by saying, you know what? My prayer life is pretty much non-existent, but I'm gonna start praying. I'm gonna pray before I go to bed. I'm gonna pray when I wake up and I'm gonna pray in the afternoon just to refocus my thoughts on God. Or maybe you've been praying for a while. I was in a small group and and a lady that had been in the church for like 65 years, we were having a small group and we were doing a study on prayer. And she goes, I'm so glad we're doing this study because no one has ever taken the time to teach me how to pray. She'd been in the church for 65 years. And she's like, I don't know how to pray. So maybe today begins a journey for you in discovering the power of prayer. Wherever you are in the prayer spectrum, I invite you to step it up a notch. Like let's let's dive deep, let's commit to really honing in our prayer skills. Realizing that the more we know about who God is, the more effective our prayer life is. When we know that God is good and relational and personal, responsive and all-knowing and all-powerful, that our prayer life begins to become more effective than. I'm just inviting you to spend time in prayer. Jump into your prayer closet. Find a place and spend time before the Lord. Let's just do that right now. Father God, we come to you this morning. We recognize that you are a good God. God, you are so, so good. And Lord, we have hangups with our prayer lives. Lord, some of us have tried to pray and we feel like it hasn't worked Lord, some of us have had some unanswered prayers and we don't understand it. God, some of us, if we're really honest, we've prayed with the wrong motives. Or Father, we prayed not really believing that you hear us or you can answer us. But Father, my heart's desire is that Warehouse Church would be known as a church that prays, as a church that believes in prayer, as a church that begins and ends every day with prayer. Lord, would you show us over the next few weeks how to pray, new skills in praying, new ways to pray. Lord, would you help us in our unbelief when it comes to prayer? And Lord, if there's someone in this room that's never given their life to you, Lord, may they begin this journey of prayer by praying to you today and inviting you to come into their life and to transform their life and make them new. And if that's you, if you want a relationship with Jesus, it's simply a prayer. It's simply you saying, Jesus, I have lived my life without you and I no longer want to do that. And I'm inviting you to come and be my Lord and Savior today to forgive me of my sins because I believe that you died on the cross for me. So that I might be made new. So Lord, would you come and make me new today? And for the rest of us in here, I just invite you to spend a moment just making an agreement with God that you're going to work on your prayer life. That if it's if your prayer life is going good, that you would make it better. If your prayer life is non-existent, that it would become come into existence. That if you have hang-ups with prayers, that God would answer those hang-ups and give you wisdom so that you can continue your prayer life wherever it is with you just invite you as we sing this closing psalm, just to make a commitment to God I'm gonna have a prayer life I'm gonna make my prayer life better I'm gonna spend more time in prayer whatever it is that's between you and God Father thank you again for this gift of prayer thank you that you come to us and you share with us in those secret moments and that you're always available Because you're so good. Because you're so responsive and you're so personal. You love being in relationship with us. And you're all-powerful and all-knowing. Thank you for loving us, God, in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to stand up and we're going to close with this song. As we do, uh, as always, we want to invite you to come and spend time in prayer if you'd like to up here. Uh, Maybe you want to come and maybe you want to invite the Lord into your life. Maybe you want to come and just make a commitment with God that you're going to uh, take your prayer level, to, your prayer life to the next level. Whatever it is, you come and spend time in prayer. Maybe you want to pray for somebody. Um, if you want someone to pray with you, I'm right on the front row. Or you can just pull someone alongside of you. If there's someone next to you, say, hey, would you come pray with me? But let's, uh, let's sing this song together. And as we do, you're invited to come.